Good morning. Good to see you guys. Glad you're here today. One of uh, my jobs around our house um, every week uh, is uh, to move uh, chairs from the dining room to the living room to get ready for our life group. Because when they show up, we want to make sure there is a place for every one of them. Um, you know, it's just a polite thing to do, right? If somebody comes over to your house, what's uh, one of the first things you usually say to them, assuming that you, you know, like them? Uh, you know, you usually say, have a seat, pull up a chair. It's the polite thing uh, to do. If you come visit me at my office, I have a really small office, which I kind of like actually, but um, if you come to see me in my office, um, I uh, have to go out to the large work area and I wheel a chair from there into my office. We all kind of stand to one side while we shut the door and then put the chair kind of back in the corner. And then I can say, why don't you have a seat? If you're going to throw a party, you usually try to think ahead and to make sure you have enough chairs for everyone, right? So that everyone has a place when they get there. I don't know who invented the chair, but it was a great invention, wasn't it? Well, today we're starting a series called The Chair. And uh, maybe you've seen the advertisement that we've had coming up to this, and maybe you've been thinking, what is that all about? Well, let me tell you. We're using the, the chair, an empty chair, to represent the idea that there is a place for everyone in God's kingdom or God's family. God has invited everyone, every man, woman, and child to be part of His family. There is a chair for everyone. But here's the thing. If you were to figuratively visit God's house today, you would find there are still a lot of empty chairs. In fact, if you sat down in your chair, you might notice that the chair right beside you is empty. There are still people who need to know that there is a chair for them. There are still people who need to know that God has extended an invitation to them to be part of His family. And so I'm hoping over the course of this series that we'll get to the point that every time we see an empty chair, it will remind us that there are people who still need to know the story of Jesus. And we'll be prompted to do our part. Because you see, the Bible's really clear. God says that He has invited us to be part of the process of helping to fill those empty chairs. When Jesus was here on earth, His, his primary thing was about people. In fact, it says this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, about Jesus, the Son of Man, or Jesus, came to find lost people and save them. That's it. His priority was people. And it still is today. And here's the thing about that. He has passed that same priority on to every one of us. Jesus said to His followers, including us, this in Matthew chapter 28. He said, so go and make followers of all the people of the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, He is counting on us to help fill those empty chairs. He's counting on us to invite our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our classmates to be part of God's family, to accept his invitation to have a relationship with Jesus, to take their seat in their empty chair. So for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about how it is that we go about doing that. You see, God has called us to have a heart for people who haven't yet found their empty chair. Do you understand this morning that God's heart breaks for people who don't have a relationship with Him? It breaks. 
And sometimes we get so comfortable in our own chair that we lose sight of just how important this is to God and how important it ought to be to us. There is a, a really old song, and by me saying that it's a really old song kind of is discouraging to me because it reminds me that I'm getting older. But back when I was younger, uh, Steve Green sang a song called People Need the Lord. And some of you have never even heard of it, but uh, here's some of the words. Because the song, even though it's old, the words are still so powerful. Here's what he's saying. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care. Headed who knows where. On they grow through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, He's the open door. People need the Lord. There are a lot of people all around us in our community who need Jesus. I was uh, reading through uh, an old notebook uh, this week, uh, some notes from a conference I had gone to two or three years ago. And as I was reading through that notebook, I came across this line that I had written down. When a church gets uninterested in lost people, God gets disinterested in that church. And you know, I I think there's a lot of truth in that statement. When a church gets uninterested in lost people, God gets disinterested in that church. See, that's what God called us to be about. That is our purpose. That's the reason we exist is to help people who are living far from God, people who do not have a relationship with Jesus, find their way back to that relationship and to find their chair and to take their seat in God's family. And here's the thing. God's placed part of that responsibility on us. He said this in 1 Peter chapter 3. Listen to what he says here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Or in other words, make Christ the leader of your life. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? That we are to be prepared to explain to people the reason that we have found hope. Why it is that our lives are filled with hope. We are to be prepared to explain to people the relationship that we have with Jesus and the transforming power that that relationship has had in our lives. So for the next couple of weeks, beginning today and next week, I want to give you a a two-word plan that will help us to carry out those instructions in our lives. Two words that will help us to fulfill the command that Jesus gave to us when He said, go and help lost people find their way back to Me. Two words that can help us to guide people to find their chair. And those two words are simply to invest and invite. To invest and invite. To invest in people and to invite them to follow Jesus. Invest and invite. In fact, if you go away with nothing else over these next two weeks, if you'll walk away with those two words, invest and invite. That would be a good thing. I want to start today with talking about the word invest. Now, um, usually when I think about invest, I immediately go to finances. And maybe that's where your mind takes you. 
And that's not a bad metaphor for what we're talking about today. When I uh, got right out of college and uh, my first job in ministry, I, I had some wise people around me who encouraged me to start investing in my retirement. And so little by little, I began investing. Uh, a little at first, more in the future. But I began investing today, a little bit at a time, hoping that someday I would accumulate enough funds, enough money to be able to retire and enjoy life in retirement. And maybe you're in a similar boat. I think there are some parallels between that investment that I've been making towards retirement and the investment that we make in people. Let me point some of those out this morning. I think they'll help us understand what God has called us to do when He calls us to invest in people. The first lesson is this. Investing in people starts with small investments. Investing in people starts with small investments. When I got out of college, my first job in ministry, I made just $16,000 a year. Uh, It was a lot of years ago, but even then, that wasn't very much money. But I still was committed to trying to begin to invest towards my retirement, so I started with very small investments. But a little bit at a time, I began to invest towards that. And you know when it comes to investing in people, often it does not begin with some deep theological discussion. You know, when we think about investing in people, uh, a lot of times we think about oh, I've got to share my faith. Or we we use that church word evangelism and and beads of sweat break out on our forehead and our heart begins to pound really quickly and our stomach turns out of fear. But you know what? Most of the time, investing in people doesn't begin with deep theological discussions. It doesn't begin with turn or burn kind of conversations. It begins just by simple acts of kindness and genuine caring. Small investments in people that demonstrate to them how God loves us. It is not some complicated thing like we have often made it. When you think about Jesus and the way that He invested in people, it was part of His life. But He didn't begin immediately pointing out all of their spiritual problems. Now think about what Jesus did. When He encountered someone with blindness, He first healed their blindness. And then, then He asked them to follow Him. He, when he encountered a leper, he first he healed their leprosy. And then he talked about their sin. He first helped people get off of their path of pain. And then he talked about their spiritual problems. Jesus first met their physical needs. He first started by investing in small ways in people before he ever got to deep theological discussions. And when it comes to our interaction with people, sometimes we've made it seem like it is this very difficult thing, but the reality is the beginning, the first steps are just small investments of caring and communicating God's love to them. The Bible says it this way in James chapter 2, verse 15, about the fact that it is about not just about our words, but it's about what we do with people. James says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You see, I think the the lesson is clear there. What we do really matters. 
You know what? Talk is cheap. Words evaporate quickly. Most of what I've said today will be forgotten by lunchtime. I'll forget by lunchtime. But actions, people who serve someone, those things are remembered forever, aren't they? When someone serves you, when someone does something that's selfless towards you, you remember that forever. But you'll forget words quickly. And when it comes to our interacting with people and making small investments in their lives, it's about what we do often more than what we say to them. After all, remember, Jesus called us to be salt and light as His followers. Salt that causes people to thirst for God. Light that illuminates the truth and shines compassion into places of despair. I think that's where Maggie found herself. I read about Maggie this week in a couple of resources. In fact, let me, uh, before I go any further, let me point out a couple of resources to you. Because uh, I think this, what we're talking about for these next three weeks, is so important that I can't cover everything. And so I want to give you a couple of resources that I hope that you would look at. And guys, I know I'm really out of order here, but if you could go back and grab that slide. The one, uh, uh, but I need the slide to be able to tell you what those resources are. Uh, I know one of them is, is uh, just walk across the room. There you go. Uh, the first is The Unexpected Adventure, written by Mark Middleberg and Lee Strobel. The second book is Just Walk Across the Room, written by uh, Bill Hybels. Two outstanding, and I wouldn't, you're not going to go read both of them, I understand probably most of you, but why don't you go pick up one of those, get on Amazon this afternoon, order at least one of those books. They will inspire you, they will encourage you, and they will give you a clear roadmap about how to live out the principles that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Let me tell you Maggie's story. Maggie's story is in that uh, book, The Unexpected Adventure. Maggie was, uh, was abused early in life. And she also grew very quickly disheartened with the church at an early age because she saw people do things in the church that she just couldn't connect with God. As Maggie grew older, her heart grew colder and colder to the point where she decided she didn't believe in God at all. She was an avowed atheist, had nothing to do with the church. But that began to very, very slowly change as a group of Christ followers began to make some small investments in her life. Christ followers at a, at a large church in Chicago, Willow Creek Community Church, began to invest in her. And slowly over time, they continued to make those investments in Maggie's life and her very hard, cold heart began to soften and to warm to the things of God. So much to the point that Maggie finally, after a long period of time of people investing in her, stepped across the line of faith and publicly declared her faith in Jesus by being baptized. And one of the leaders of the church asked her afterwards, what was the transformation? How did you move from someone who didn't believe in God at all to being willing to follow Jesus? Her answer was this. I just met a whole bunch of people who were like Jesus to me. Did you catch that? I just met a whole bunch of people who were like Jesus to me. Then Maggie wrote this poem that I'll read you at least part of. Listen to what she says. Do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Do you know, do you understand that when you treat me with gentleness, 
it raises the question in my mind that maybe He is gentle too. Maybe He isn't someone who laughs when I am hurt. Do you know, do you understand that when you listen to my questions and you don't laugh, I think, what if Jesus is interested in me too? Do you know, do you understand that when I hear you talk about arguments and conflict and scars from your past, I think maybe I am just a regular person instead of a bad, no-good little girl who deserves abuse. If you care, I think maybe He cares. And then there's this flame of hope that burns inside of me. And for a while, I am afraid to breathe because it might go out. Do you know, do you understand that your words are His words? Your face is His face to someone like me? Please be who you say you are. Please, God, don't let this be another trick. Please let this be real. Please. Do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Friends, look around this room. Look at all of the empty seats just in this room today. Do you know what every one of those empty seats represents? At least one person in our community that desperately needs in their life the transforming power of Jesus. And you know where that begins? It begins with us making small investments and representing Jesus to them. And so every day this week, wherever you go, why don't you ask God to show you someone that you can make a small investment that you could be Jesus to? And if you ask Him and you mean it, He'll open some doors. And you just walk through and see what happens. Here's a second lesson. When it comes to investing in people, consistent, focused investments make them into the lives of a few people. Make consistent, focused investments into the lives of a few people. In addition to making small investments in the lives of many people, there comes a point where we need to make some consistent, focused investments into the lives of a few people. You know, when I began to work towards my retirement, I didn't invest in every mutual fund out there. I mean, there are hundreds. I mean, I didn't put a dollar here and a dollar here and a dollar there. I listened to some counsel that I hoped was wise, and I began to invest in a few funds consistently, focused, trying to build my retirement. And while all of us need to make small investments in the lives of people and represent Jesus, there comes a point where we need to make some consistent, focused investments into the lives of a few people. We need to look around and determine who are a few people that I could really build a relationship with, that I could go much deeper with, that we could build trust and we could begin to open up with each other and I could learn their story and I could share my story. And as we'll talk about next week, I could share the story of Jesus with them. You know, I, uh, a lot of you know, I uh, meet every Monday with uh, a group of local pastors and really all that's about for me is we're just sharing our lives together. I'm going to tell you, a couple of years ago when I was invited to begin to share in that group, when I first went, I was really quiet, which is kind of my personality in groups anyway. But I was just really quiet because I didn't know these guys. I didn't know could I really trust them. And so I did lots of listening. And, but you know what began to happen over months as we began to build, continue to build relationships? I started to really trust them. I discovered that was a safe place that I could share very openly there about things that I was struggling with and things that were going on in my life and whatever I shared stayed right there. And I wasn't going to be judged. 
I was just going to be encouraged. And they have my trust now. And all of us need to work at building some relationships like that with people where we will earn the, the right, the privilege of being trusted so that we earn the right and the privilege to share with them the story of Jesus. And it takes time. It takes being very intentional. But if we'll build those kinds of relationships, we'll have the opportunity to fill a few empty chairs in our lives. Because you know what the, the reality is? I alone cannot fill all of the empty chairs. I can't reach all of the people who are still living far from God. But I can, in the course of my lifetime, fill a few empty chairs. And so can you. I think another part of this consistent focus investment is praying for people. You know, I would hope in your life there is at least one person that you are praying for every day who is living far from God, who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, but you are praying every day that God would open their heart, that God would use you or somebody else to reach out to them. And if you don't have somebody like that, you ought to be thinking about it. In fact, in your weekly update today, there is a card that has a picture of a chair on it. If you want to take that out right now. And as I talk over the next few minutes, maybe there's already somebody that you are praying for consistently. Why don't you write their name right on the chair? If there's not somebody, then why don't you ask God right now to begin to give you a name? To place on your heart the name of somebody that you ought to be praying for regularly that needs to have a relationship with Jesus. And you write their name on that card. And we're going to do something with those a little later. You know, we, we too often try to go solo on this. Here's our thing with prayer. We, we try something, and then we fail, and then finally we get around to saying, well, you know what, maybe I ought to pray about it. We'd have been a lot wiser if we would have prayed to begin with. But when it comes to filling empty chairs, when it comes to sharing Jesus with our family and friends and neighbors and coworkers and classmates, that is too important, too vital to try to go solo. Enduring things don't happen without the help of God in our lives. The Bible says when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. And you know what? I can't probably reach people all alone. It's not a solo thing. But when God's involved in it, when I am seeking His help, incredible things happen and I get to watch the transforming power of Jesus in other people's lives. So we need to make some focused, concentrated investments in the lives of a few people. One more lesson, I think, before we wrap up. Investing in people involves some risk. You know, when I began to make my investments in my retirement, I knew. I knew there were risks along the way. A couple of years ago, like many of you, I realized what some of those risks were. Lost a lot of money. But I never had it to begin with, I guess. So, And you know what? There are risks involved. But you know why I was willing to take that risk? Why I was willing to take it originally? And why I'm still willing to take that risk with my money? Because I believe the reward outweighs the risk. Now, I can't promise you that's true in the financial market, but I can promise you this. When it comes to investing in people, the risk always is less than the reward. The reward of investing in people's lives always far, far, far outweighs any risk. Let me tell you, 
when you get to watch someone accept God's invitation to His family, when you get a front row seat of watching Jesus transform someone's life, when you get to watch and know that you were involved in someone stepping across the line of faith and publicly declaring their faith in Jesus through baptism, when you get to watch someone take their seat in their empty chair, believe me, the risk is overcome by the reward. The reward is far greater than any sense of discomfort that you felt in the process. The reward is better than any, far beyond any uncomfortable conversation that you had along the way. It is worth any questions that they may ask you that stretch you somehow because you're not sure about the answer. Anything that you risk in the process of helping someone discover the transforming power of Jesus in their lives, the reward far outweighs the risk. And if you look at your Christian life, your life as a Christ follower, and you think, you know, my life's pretty vanilla. Not much exciting ever really happens. There's not a lot of adventure. Let me tell you how to change that. Let me tell you how to discover some adventure. Begin making small investments in people. Work at making some focused, concentrated investments in the lives of a few people. Begin to take the risk to share Jesus with others. And quit holding it in. And you will discover an adventure. But believe me, it will be an adventure that is so incredibly rewarding. You will look back and think, why did I wait so long to do this? The reward always outweighs the risk. So Jesus says, I want you to join me in helping people who are far from God find their way back. And I want you to do it by investing and inviting. I want you to do it by investing in people. And next week we'll talk about the second part of that. How do we move from just investing to inviting them to follow Jesus? That card that you wrote on? Maybe you have a name on there. Maybe you need another second or two to think about that name. But I, I, want, you to, I want you to make a commitment today. And there is always something that happens when we actually physically do something as we make that commitment that causes it to stay in our minds. So in a moment, there's some music that's going to play and I'm going to give you the opportunity, once you've got a name on that card, to get up out of your seat and to bring that card forward and to lay it on one of these black chairs across the front just as an act of saying to God, you know what, God, I, I'm committing to you today that first I'm going to begin praying for this person. God, I'm going to be a person who will make small investments in people all around me. And God, when a, the opportunity comes, I'm going to work in making some concentrated investments in the lives of this person. So why don't you take these next couple of minutes, you talk about it with God a little bit, and then when you're ready, just get up right out of your seat, carry that card to the front, and lay it here on one of these chairs as a way of saying to God, I'm committed to investing in people.
Let me pray for us. God, You know the name of every person on these cards. God, You know where they are on their journey through life right now. God, You know their story. God, would You grant us the privilege of somehow being involved in the transforming process in their life. God, I pray for the people who have placed these cards here today, the people in this room. God, would You, would you take us on the adventure? Would You help us to step outside of where it's comfortable all the time? God, take the risk to invest in people small ways and concentrated ways. God, would You help us to be salt and light in our community to the literally thousands of people that we interact with every day that You love so deeply. God, help us to love them like You love them and to care about their future like You care about it. God, every time we see an empty chair this week, would You remind us that it represents someone who desperately needs Jesus. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.